0: I am Abby Garvey with TechPoint, and I am here today with Tony Newcomb, Chief Technology Officer of Active Campaign, and we're really excited to be talking today. Um, for those of us not familiar with Active Campaign, give us a high-level overview of your company, what your product does, and the customer you serve.
1: Yeah, well, first off, thank you for having me here today. Very excited to have the opportunity to share a bit. So. At Active Campaign, we're in the business of helping every company grow. And we do that through a software platform that really has automation at its heart. So we really believe that CRM use cases, marketing use cases uh, are really just in service to delivering an ideal customer experience. So um, that's what we do. We're just on a, a mission to help every company grow with a platform that was designed to deliver an ideal customer experience.
0: What industries or sectors most benefit from marketing automation and how does it interact or how does it impact the
1: customer interaction? Yeah, it's a good question. I think every industry really has anybody that has customers should care about customer experience. And so I think that MarTech at its core is really about how do you get your brand's voice, Top of mind for your customer. How do you better serve them? How do you ensure if I call you that I know who you are? Every company has these problems. And so I really think MarTech is universally applicable. And, and we see that. Like our, our customers are in every nearly every country. Uh, we're in more countries than McDonald's has uh, presence in countries, which is pretty amazing. And we're in nearly every industry from hair care uh, all the way to museums, to opera houses, to like telecom, so it's just a really amazing, I, I think, opportunity. Uh, and everyone's really just trying to solve, how do I better understand my customer? And at the end of the day, how can I give them what they want faster?
0: And how would you say that relates to loyalty with the customer with what you guys are doing? Yeah, I think,
1: well, think about your your personal lives, you know, the brands that know who you are, that uh, can, can not pitch you things that you don't care about, um, you know I was talking recently with with a leader uh, of a company and, and the question really was all I'm trying to understand is who buys you know products when they're on sale who doesn't buy products when they're on sale and so um, or or only buys when they're on sale who who would buy whenever and so there he was even wanting to go a, a level deeper to say well which products and so we you know they get the right product in front of people so I think that The more you can target your message, the right message to the right person at the right time, uh, the better off your company is gonna be and and you're gonna be better because the customer is gonna have a better experience.
0: Two years ago, Mm -hmm. Apple rocked the marketing world with their privacy updates. They did. Talk about email marketing's role in today's world and how it has evolved after iOS 15.
1: Yeah, so they, for those that don't know what we're talking about, they introduced some privacy features uh, to really, uh, what they'll do is that there's a tracking pixel that all the ESPs, use and now they just download all those images by default so when you send to an apple device it just looks like everyone has opened the email so um, those open metrics have become less reliable they have some new updates coming uh, this fall as well which is going to open I think another set of challenges for the market uh, where they're really trying to scrub out click tracking and tracking across websites so they're Uh, With intention taking uh, parts of the parameters out of links, which I personally find a little bit fascinating that Apple, under the guise of privacy, is opening everyone's emails, scanning them and changing the content thereof before you as a subscriber see that. I I find that fascinating that that's somehow private because they're clearly scanning all of our content now, but uh, that's what they're doing so that we're going to have to react to that.
0: That's a really interesting way to think about it on yes. both sides of the failure with Apple looking at it as well. Um, yes. As data privacy becomes more of a public concern, how do MarTech companies like Active Campaign thread the line between personalization while addressing the current concerns, of concerns about access data? I mean, I don't want to give up my data or privacy either, but I want a tailored experience when I'm on the web and using right. um, so that I'm actually getting served sort of what I want to look at.
1: Yeah, I think, That's a great question. I think that a couple of things. So the idea that, and I sometimes think this is happening in my life, or I will talk about something and then I'll start seeing ads on my phone. Mm -hmm. That to me feels like a clear invasion of my privacy. Now, maybe I've allowed some app to listen to me. Uh, Maybe I didn't realize that when I was asking, you know, Alexa or when I was asking some technology that they were tracking that. Uh, that feels like an invasion of privacy because I did not grant consent explicitly in that moment to know that that was happening. I think that's part of a lot of the the concern around, you know, we monitor when people are browsing on a website. When you go to a store, there aren't people following you around, browsing with you uh, to see what you're interested in. So there's been a, a fuzzy line of privacy for a long time in tech. I think the way that this should be done is through consent-based Marketing permission based marketing. So you get what you're looking for uh, First-party data that you've chosen to give to the company Mm -hmm. with intention I think that's all fair game for personalization and because that that's me selling you Listen, I'm Tony Newcomb. I'm CTO of active campaign. I'm interested in these things, right? And so when you have these things you can make my life better as a brand By telling me about them by keeping me informed like there's value there if you're listening to me on my phone if you're monitoring what the content of my email and, uh, you know, if you're scrubbing uh, these things because you're a platform like Facebook or some of these big platforms that have all this interesting data about us, and you're somehow using that to target me, I find that, I find that crossing a line. So I think there's, um, there's a line there, but it really comes down to consent, permission, and respecting, respecting what your customers want.
0: Yeah. I couldn't agree more with that. When I am online, there are certain things I'd be happy to give my data for, and there are things I don't. If I'm giving consent, I'm all for that, support that idea completely. Since it's probably a topic you get asked a lot, but how do you foresee generative AI tools like ChatGPT, OpenAI, disrupting email marketing, and MarTech in general?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question. I do think about this a lot. I get asked about this a lot. Generative AI has really become commoditized in a lot of ways with OpenAI, ChatGPT, AI as an API. Now there's companies that are even helping you build custom models uh, and deploy them very easily with just some configuration. So uh, that AI is accessible now, I think just means the variety of use cases and where it will appear in our lives will, will just continue to increase at a fairly rapid pace, I would expect. now the value thereof, I think, remains to be seen. Because if we're all generating content from the voice of an artificially intelligent, you know, engine that's really just been fed data about the generic world, then we're all kind of generating the same content. And so I think that uh, we really see AI as something that works alongside our marketers, works alongside our sales teams, not something that replaces them. I still think that human touch, the, I mean, we're all, we're all people at the end of the day. And so I think that that still has a huge play in the world and it will make things better. We've, we've always had uh, an investment in what would be considered artificial intelligence or what we would consider predictive, predictive sending, uh, predictive scoring. Um, you know, we've, we've had some of these technologies for quite a long time. Uh, and now we're seeing just a really rapid adoption as these things become just more accessible to the consumer.
0: What role do you play in answering questions or dispelling misconceptions about AI as a tech leader, especially one in the MarTech space? And what are the ethical considerations and potential privacy concerns surrounding the use of AI in MarTech?
1: Yeah, these are these are all big questions. So I think, I, I don't think my role is all that important in the world, but, um, but I think as a voice and in, in the way I think about it, I'm not someone who's alarmist and thinks singularity is coming and everything's gonna be taken over. At the same time, I can understand the risk of us putting too much automation in systems, right? And, and just allowing things to generate and kind of run out of hand. So I do think that AI as an assistant, AI has something that you have clear policy around as far as what is acceptable use. I do think there probably needs to be some government regula- regulation here around what makes sense for society to have AI take over versus what makes sense to not have it do that. So I think we're going to have a lot of very challenging conversations as a just society over the next several years and probably decades to come. There's nothing that artificial about artificial intelligence. It's At the end of the day, it's mathematical formulas, and it's statistics, and it's probabilities, and it's things that... Um, mathematicians can can make sense of. So to to me, I don't believe uh, there, there's been like engineers coming out and saying, well, it, it can think for itself. And it's like, it can produce responses and answers. But at the end of the day, it's generally a mathematical reason for how those things are coming to be. Now we may not understand them because you're you're really stacking a lot of pretty complex topics on top of each other. But I do think that um, we can't all be unemployed on universal income and expect that society will be a place we want to participate in. And so I think that um, there will have to be some form of, of things sorting out there. And we don't really see it as displacing people. Uh, it's just out there yet. And I, I think it's really more an assistant.
0: I think that's really good feedback on people to think about. And I'm glad you're not a person who thinks it's going to be a doomsday And <laughs> with where we're going with it.
1: no. And if it is, I mean, I, I will only be aware of that for a few minutes, probably. So <laughs> <laughs> if I'm wrong.
0: had Terminator the version, we may all not. This is right. Yeah, it's mean, yeah, right. right. Switching gears, um, I want to talk about Active Campaign's presence here in Indy. You're originally headquartered in Chicago, correct?
1: Chicago, yes. Okay. Why Indy? Well, Indy is a, a kind of a Martech powerhouse. So um, when I joined Active Campaign back in 2018, I was the first hire. In the Indianapolis uh, area, and so I spent most of my time in Chicago. And one of the first questions was, "Well, when are we opening the India hub, Tony? We want access to that talent." Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and when you think about it, it's the product talent. It's the, the roots of Exact Target really kind of changed this, this market. Mm-hmm. Uh, Salesforce coming in and acquiring Exact Target brought even more opportunity, more talent, and even more domain opportunity to work against CRM to work against you know, Crux and some of the the amazing technologies that Salesforce had, that talent is all throughout Indianapolis now and all throughout companies. So I think that for us, it made a lot of sense being a a MarTech player that really has big aspirations. We are not here for, you know, for fun. Like we're really trying to do amazing things and really change the industry for the better uh, and and democratize access to, to this technology. So I think that Indianapolis just made a lot of sense.
0: Wonderful. Talk a little bit further about Indy's role as a leader in MarTech. A little over 20 years ago, Indy became a leader with ExactTarget, which we, for people who don't know, that's where Tony came from, which was sold almost 10 years ago to Salesforce. What has been the ripple effect which you've talked a little bit about and how has it influenced your
1: own career? Yeah, I think that's a a great question. So I, I was fortunate enough to spend like eight years working in consulting before I joined ExactTarget. And so those years, I spent a lot of time just doing custom software development and that sort of thing. So when I joined Exact Target, uh, I didn't know what I was getting into. And it was the first experience as a SaaS platform where we had one software package that lots of people use, lots of brands use, uh, that we deployed to our own servers and didn't have to worry about distribution. So pretty amazing disruption to see that forming here at that time was incredible. As a result of that, we and, and really the pioneering leaders, there's a lot of just like big names out there like Scott Dorsey's and McCorkle's and uh, Scott McCorkle and, you know, Doc Brown and just some amazing yeah. uh, companies that we, we've had coming up. Bill Osterly uh, more recently. And and um, really, I was lucky to participate because they chose to be here. Um, when I graduated from Purdue, it was not clear that I would have a strong Future in tech in Indianapolis because we were not really known mm-hmm. as a powerhouse. I think that what ExactTarget did is it put the world on notice that there's strong talent here in the kind of flyover states or the Silicon Prairie, whatever, whatever way you want to refer to us. I just refer to us as an amazing engineering and product hub, and so we see that with all sorts of cool brands that have been materializing. And I don't, I don't think we're going to lose our leadership position. Uh, in the foreseeable future here as being known for that because we really have a lot of investment here. Uh, we've got companies like Active Campaign seeking to be here. And I think that's going to continue.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Scott Dorsey, I mean, he's been a huge leader with High alpha on everything he's doing. I'd love to see that these leaders in Indiana have invested and stayed here and keep trying to build the ecosystem yes. um, here in the Midwest and specifically, obviously, Indy. Um, Tying it back to our conversation earlier about AI, do you see uh, do you see with the adoption of large language models in general of AI that Indy can once again be the leader in the Martech space with this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that I, I would assert we still have a pretty strong position in the Martech space. So I think um, with AI with and I don't think AI is strictly a Martech technology. I think it's really every industry, if you're out there in farming, you're probably looking at AI. I was just reading about these cool machines that can actually go over the fields, and instead of using chemicals, they shoot little lasers to kill the weeds as they're starting to pop up. And they can use artificial intelligence to identify uh, which which is invasive, which is fine, and, and it's amazing. So, um, you know, I think that's the kind of in- in- innovation that we really should be seeing kind of across all technology uh, here in Indianapolis, so specifically with martech i think active campaign we're certainly a category leader in, in customer experience automation i think that uh salesforce continues to have a presence here i looking at the salesforce tower now so uh, you know they're they're investing in that area i know a lot of startups around here are pushing into the same way so i think that um as long as companies aren't ignoring the potential disruption that ai brings to them and i don't think generative content is necessarily going to produce tremendous disruptive um, change because it's become a commodity. Anyone can integrate uh, content generation into their tools pretty quickly. Uh, But it's, I think the next level of applied data science on top of your platform that really can create competitive edge, competitive advantage, and really keep Indianapolis and and all all the companies here relevant.
0: Well, those are all the questions I have today, Tony. But we're sitting here in the active campaign office Audubon Mass MassAB. We're so grateful that you've chosen India as one of your locations. Is there anything you want to leave us with today?
1: Yeah, you know, for first again, thank you for having me on. I think that for those online, hello, you know, thank you for for watching. Um, Indianapolis, our the, our best days are yet to come. You know, we our, our industry. I think in many ways is still in its infancy, especially as you see things like what we're now seeing in kind of the hype stage of AI. Everybody's talking about artificial intelligence. Uh, We're we're under regulated right now in some ways. I think we, we see companies trying to push into privacy for that very reason. Like I think part of that is like data. It's our data. It's my data. It's your data. You know, it's online. It's your data. This is not the company's data. And so I think that, we're as a society trying to sort through these really big things, but I couldn't be more excited to be here on Mass Ave, more excited to be in Indianapolis. I'm a long, you know, lifetime Indiana resident. And uh, you know, I think our, our future is incredibly bright and I'm I'm just excited to be here.
0: Excellent. Well, we're glad that you chose Indiana and that you're still in your Tony. And thanks so much for your time today.
1: Yeah, thank you.